0: This is Talk Is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine.
1: Mister Hamilton, good day, sir.
0: It is, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, okay, here we are. We're mid-May, and we're going to talk about women hunt with uh, Renee Thornton.
0: Such a such a neat lady to talk to. This is what her third time on the show and every time we always have such a blast
1: it is and and hey guys and gals don't judge we you know it's the third time we've had this guest on but you know what each time it's different we talked about renee about the program the first time she was on we talked about a follow up of the program with rebecca peters who is the wild sheep society bc's rep for women hunt for the their texas program the new hunter program in texas Uh, and then we had renee back uh, applications are on now for the uh new hunter course for women hunt for 2022 uh they just opened two days ago and they're going to run i think renee said may 30th at midnight montana time so yeah. um, or 11:59, whatever the case may be so uh, any ladies out there that are interested in getting involved um go over to the wild sheep foundations website we have uh, show notes that include a link and uh, this is a phenomenal opportunity uh Five days down in Texas, I think it is, and mm. you it's the soup to nuts for hunting. Um, you're going to go in there as inexperienced. You're going to come out and you're going to feel confidence in the field. Um, the Women Hunt program sets you up with a mentor. Uh, this is a, an evolutionary experience for any of the attendees. I've had the opportunity to speak to a number of them, and people just rave about this program.
0: Oh, yeah. It looked like a great time, and uh, from everything I, I learned from reading and watching and chatting with people, it. It was a hell of an experience and some of the, uh, the people had never even picked up a firearm for the first time. So they, they went in knowing nothing and coming out and experienced because some of these people uh, got to pull the trigger on some animals and that's that's a hell of an experience and what we need is more people getting into the shooting sports and the hunting, the hunting arena and because, uh, well, we're only as loud as our voice, right? And more people we have supporting us, the better it is for future generations and passing on a legacy. So yeah, it's a hell of an experience.
1: Phenomenal opportunity. Um, be sure to check that out and, and share it with your friends and, and maybe some of the gentlemen are listening, share with your significant other. Um, obviously it's not necessarily uh, designed for the, the, the experienced uh, lady hunter. So if you've, you know, if you're a guide, you probably, you're probably not gonna get selected uh, through their selection program. But um, you know, if, if you're new or relatively new to hunting, um, be sure to check it out and and guys again you know if you've got a significant other that uh, maybe has some interest in getting involved uh there's no better opportunity than than women hunt for for somebody that might want to go and learn how to hunt
0: it's also important to to uh remember that uh, the, the only cost to you is getting to and from texas everything else is covered right uh licenses fees accommodation food everything you're using that's all covered so uh the 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 cost is is minimal and the experience is is everything so
1: yeah such a fantastic opportunity so Renee Thornton is the um, she's the lead on this initiative it's a wild sheep foundation initiative it's called Women Hunt uh, we actually are going to be graced with Renee's presence uh, she's coming up to British Columbia to Langley on June seventeenth so the Wild Sheep Society BC we're hosting our Women Shaping Conservation event. Um, and it's a great opportunity for the the ladies. Renee's going to be there. She's going to do a talk about Women Hunt. She's going to share her Women Hunt video, her film. And then um, we have Dr. Helen Swancha there. And Dr. Helen Swancha was the provincial veterinarian for the Ministry of uh, Forest, Lands, Natural Resource Operations, and Rural Development. Uh, Helen uh, is retired from the government. She was the provincial veterinarian for Flynn Road. And, uh, but, she is a conservation powerhouse, and so she's going to be at the event, and there's a new Wild Sheep Society BC film called Transmission. It's a 53-minute film. Uh, we're doing a private exclusive screening there, so this is not available to the greater public. This is an opportunity to come out, get involved. Uh, it's a great evening for the ladies. So, you know, of course, it's not. we're not restricting it to ladies, so if you want to bring your significant other and happens to be a gentleman, he's welcome to attend. Uh, but we kind of have the lady in mind, ladies in mind on this one. So um, I think uh $75, $75 registration fee. But you get a couple glasses of wine. There's dinner. We have uh, we have the. Uh, it's at Crowsberry Farms in Langley. They've got a bunch of pizza, um, homemade pizza that they make with their own um, their own crust. Uh, they've got their own recipe with that. That people go there specifically for it. Um, and it's just going to be a great night of conservation with the lady and ladies in mind. So uh, get registered for that. Go over to the Wild Sheep Society BC website. Click on the link, and uh, you can pick up some tickets for the event. Um, 75 bucks it's cheap you're going to get dinner drinks and a great night of conservation we got a bunch of uh, cool raffles with ladies in mind so you know it's not going to be a, a, a men's pack uh no it's going to be designed for the ladies we got some really cool things that uh raffle items some giveaways door prizes gonna mm-hmm. be a great night so no absolutely
0: agree so what else we got going on you guys had a meeting or something last night didn't you
1: uh, actually, it was Tuesday night. Sorry, Tuesday I misspoke earlier, Steve. And uh, yeah, so on a projects front, uh, we just approved $80,000 in projects um, for this coming year. Um, we had a number of, uh, it, and it's kind of everything across the landscape. So uh, we've got some disease work we're doing there. We've got some predator management stuff going on there. Uh, we've got some habitat work. Uh, we've got some First Nation collaboration work going on. So, some cool projects um we'll have a press release out on that uh shortly our social media post and uh so eighty thousand dollars back on the ground and again that's our membership that's you our listeners that are supporting the wild sheep society of bc that are making this possible and again another phenomenal uh support of the ecosystem here in bc for wild sheep oh that's
0: you, you want to talk about an organization that puts its money where its mouth is we do it consistently and i'm not saying that because i'm a uh monarch i'm saying that because well it's true right it's a whole other conversation (laughs) now
1: absolutely and on that project's front as well um, we're hoping that um in the next uh three weeks that there'll be some fire in the north uh we've got our prescribed burns i think um speaking to josh hamilton um that's leading the burns in the north we've got a couple we've got four polygons that are approved and we're just waiting for the proper burn conditions of course Spring in the north, um, they just got a big snow recently, so that's kind of affecting snow levels. So we're hoping that we can pull it off. We've got till the end of May, I think it is, and to, to get it, get the right conditions. And uh, Josh is really hopeful, but, uh, you know, literally has, he's been working on this for five years now, and um, we're finally coming to fruition. And again, uh, you know, no easy task. If we pull this off, it'll be uh, amazing and, and just, you know, such great work for
2: not only wild
1: sheep as you always like to remind us steve mm-hmm. so, again if you're not a sheep hunter you can still join the society because our burns help other species are you know the things we support uh the habitat work it supports everything it doesn't just support wild sheep
0: exactly i think that's a perfect way to end it and rolling into our episode
1: episode 74 we have renee thornton the women hunt initiative chair wild sheep foundation enjoy
2: Across Canada and throughout the world, if you come across a campfire in the woods, on a mountaintop, or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. Good
1: morning, Renee. Welcome back to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much, Kyle, Steve. It's awesome to be back.
1: great to see your smiling face, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, Women Hunt. we got a whole bunch of cool new things to talk about this time, so we've had you on. Is this your third time on the show?
2: Yeah, it is.
1: My goodness, it's starting to get a bit of a habit here. uh,
2: (laughs) I'm going to give Joe a run for his money as a repeat guest.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It uh, it doesn't feel like it. It's, it seems like it's been a long time since we talked, but I know there's been a lot go on and a lot of you know I've had the, the fortune of seeing all the great work that Women Hunts doing. I think more than most being uh, involved with the foundation, but I know there's tons of stuff that you guys are doing behind the scenes. So I guess maybe Renee, let's let's start off with you. How are how are you doing? Just period let's not even talk women let's talk Renee Thornton first
2: (laughs) well I'm doing just fine life is good here in Montana things uh things are so awesome in this state and uh um you know um Lately, I uh, had a chance last week to, to be up in Whitehorse in the Yukon, which while I lived in Canada for 49 years, I'd never made it up there. So I had the greatest time up there. It's beautiful country. And um, and uh, it, was, it was really actually really great to drive through uh, to Skagway for the day and just see the beautiful ranges in that part of the world. And, uh, man, did they have snowpack this year. Holy smokes.
1: I believe we left and they got, well, they did it snow when you were there? Because I, I talked to Joe literally right after we left and they had six or eight inches of snow or something. That no morning.
2: kidding. No, not while I was
1: there. Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> there was a pile of snow. I think it was right after, I think it must have been a day or two after we left and, and yeah, there was a ton of snow. I, so,
0: I don't feel for uh, you guys dealing with snow. I, I had snow on my birthday here in mid-April. We had about five inches, but it was, it was, it was gone within two days, but yeah, I, I don't feel bad. Yeah. So.
1: Um, and and how's everything else? Everything's good. Um, everything, what, what's, what's going on in the wild sheep world? Where, where you been, what's up on, what's on your agenda up next?
2: Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. It's been a busy, a busy first, uh, four and a half months of the year for us for sure. Uh, lots of, uh, of the chapters and affiliates I've been able to get back to having in-person banquets and events. So been attending a lot of those, and we have a few of those coming up too. And as a matter of fact, I, um, I've got some fun things coming up. I'm going to be, um, after talking to you guys today, next week, I've been invited to speak at the Chapter and Affiliate Summit to give an update on the program to all of the reps of the um, chapters and affiliates. Um, Texas Bighorn Society is having their banquet event in June, and I'm going to be speaking at their banquet Friday night, which I'm really looking forward to that uh, affiliate has really – been a, a, a big supporter of women hunt, just uh, as uh, WSSBC has been. And, um, and then finally, um, I, I will be uh, really happy to be back in Canada a little later in June in Langley to attend the um, uh, Wild Sheep Society of BC's um, Women Shaping Conservation event uh, with uh, Dr. Helen Swansea, Rebecca Peters, and, uh, and yourselves.
1: Yeah. Awesome. We're really stoked about that event. So let's talk for three seconds about that and then we'll, we'll get on things. So um, you're going to show your women hunt film. Is that correct? At the, uh, at the event?
2: Yeah, we sure are. We're going to show the the film from the 2021 new hunter course.
1: Awesome. Uh, that's great. Um, so yeah, it'll be a great opportunity for you to talk about the program. Um, unfortunately, I guess, by then the recruitment process for this year's event will have been closed. So, uh, but it's certainly a great opportunity for you to premiere what you guys are doing and talk about the great work that women hunt is doing.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have been invited. I'm excited to be there.
1: Awesome. Very cool. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about women hunt. So I think we talked to you and Rebecca post the event. Um, You know, what's new for 2022. Um, Is it exactly the same format? Um, and and I actually have some. I, I seen Gray Thornton had sent out a bunch of stuff around Women Hunt that the application process is now open, which is really exciting. Is it the same format in previous years that you're looking for chapter and affiliates with the with um, you know to support a local hunter a female hunter to come and, and participate is that the same format as well Renee?
2: yeah it sure is and you know i mean um i guess i'll say that uh our last year was our first year uh, out uh hosting the new hunter course and um like any new program, there were some growing pains and some good lessons that we learned. And so, um, but absolutely, it is the same format with some improvements, I would suggest from what we learned. But yes, we're asking for our chapters and affiliates to help promote the event, attract applicants to the opportunity to apply to be selected. And um, similarly to last year, depending on who we select and from what part of the of the countries, uh, whether it's in Canada or the US, we're gonna do our best to match that selected woman with their closest chapter affiliate, um, where uh, we are hoping that that um, will give that woman some built-in support, whether there's an opportunity for mentorship or camaraderie, um, volunteering, uh, that sort of thing. And um, we are uh, you know, asking that the chapters and affiliates who we approach to help support the selected candidates to again, um, kindly consider a, a nominal financial uh, bump to help offset the course costs.
1: Well, that's fantastic, uh, Renee, and of course we supported uh, Rebecca Peters on on this last one last year. So, um, you know how important is this mentorship piece? I'm just curious on, you know, uh, I know personally, through our dealings with it, Rebecca does have a great mentor and, and uh, has had some support and she wasn't exactly a brand new hunter. She had a little bit of season behind her, which we all know from previous podcasts with you that that wasn't the criteria. It's not like you could never have been in the field before, but how, how important is that mentorship piece and, and um, has that been a lot of work for you and, and your committee in trying to mentor these these new female hunters, these new women hunters?
2: Yeah. And, you know, that was, I think I'm going to suggest that that's been our biggest piece of learning and we're going to approach it slightly differently this time around. So um, uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, I still think, firmly believe that every individual is responsible for their own journey, right? So um, as much as we, and when I say we, I mean the Women Hunt Program, the Women Hunt Committee in partnership with the chapters and affiliates, endeavor to try to find a mentor for these new women that come out. um, Still that accountability uh, rests with them to make sure that their journey is a success as well. And so this year, we're just gonna do a bit of a better job of that conversation, not just with the chapters and affiliates and the mentor, but also with the participants about uh, needing to be proactive and getting their journey going. Um, So the, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's a volunteer. Everybody is, um, the participants are benefiting from a free opportunity, and so um, the little Uh, bumps that we've experienced in in the mentorship part of this program, um, you know, we're we're really keen to smooth them out because mentorship is so important to ensuring a person's success in the field um, or even just preparing to get in the field. Um, And so we really want to improve this portion of the course and make that uh, more seamless for everybody who's touching it.
1: Very cool. So, you know, we talk about the changes over last year to this year, and, and of course, the application process is now open. Uh, what sort of evolution have you seen, like, in the program itself? So you talk about the mentorship piece, of course. Um, is there any other changes you guys have had to make, anything you've tweaked or anything you, you feel like you could do a little bit better on or, or things that you've gotten rid of throughout the program?
2: Yeah, great question. And it kind of uh ranges uh, from uh, technical to uh, more human-based stuff. So on the technical side, the process this year is gonna be so much better for the applicants and the selection committee. Last year, we were paper-based. It was a PDF format. There was a lot of scanning, saving, emailing, Dropbox sharing, that kind of stuff was really um, cumbersome and cumbersome for the applicants too. So this year we have an entirely web-based application form. It's really slick and um, Um, uh, Like you mentioned, the application did go live on May 10th. The, it closes on May thirtieth. Applicants can um, get on and uh, just seamlessly apply on this web page, and then it will be um, in the background the software packages that the developers uh, put up together for us. You know, they'll do all the scoring and aggregate scoring at addition for us, like really simplifies it uh, before we actually, as a committee, sit down and review results. So that's an improvement, a major improvement. And um, and then beyond that, though, um, another thing that we um, you know, what, what, you know, if I could just pause for a second and just remind everybody who's perhaps heard this before and new listeners that there's three streams to the New Hunter course. There is attending the actual course and all the learning you get there. Uh, then there's being matched up with your chapter and affiliate and getting some mentorship and, and other um Benefits and then there's giving back, and so right now that's where we're at. And it has been really tremendous to see the impact that these women are now having in their communities, and which is precisely what we wanted because they really are receiving an incredible offering opportunity with a really big price tag attached to it that costs them nothing other than they need to get to San Antonio, Texas, and that's it. And so We really do, when the committee, we really do consider this the equivalent of a grant and in return for their experience, participants are expected to give back. And so I I would like to talk to you guys a little bit about what that's looking and feeling like that right now with our class of 2021. But to your question, Kyle, we are um, also um, taking what we learned in the last class and uh, we're giving back as concerned. We, um, we're finding different ways that we're gonna help prepare the participants to frame their thinking around what they think they might wanna do uh, more concretely. Uh, we're gonna start those conversations early before the course starts, uh, not to make decisions, but we want them to go through the course, but be have this in their minds about the, the expectation that they give back as they go through the course so that when they come out on the other side and they're diving into the November hunting season and getting their mentorship ramped up, that they're also thinking, what am I going to do after Christmas, you know, to give back?
0: Yeah. Let's, let's dig into that a little bit, Renee. Uh, Yeah. So how is the, how's it looking for the 2021 participants, uh, but the success and the, the reach that they've got since then, have you got any updates on that?
2: You sure, I sure do. And, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll focus on a couple of uh, a couple of them and uh, what they're doing, but they are all um, in the process of, of doing great things in their provinces and states. Um, but like some highlights would be um, we have a participant out of New Mexico, a woman named B. Segura and uh, She's a single mother and her primary motivation for wanting to source her own protein by hunting was to address some health issues she has related to food allergies. She's like super motivated and passionate and she's building a really large following um, of single mothers, uh, women just in general, interested in sourcing organic food and beyond. And so she's really getting a lot of traction down in New Mexico, uh, just because she is just really putting herself out there and uh, speaking her you know, in her own voice, her own truth, and it's it's just driving people to her. So she's speaking at local events. She's starting to host small scale events for women who want to learn how to hunt or who have just have want to meet other like-minded women to so they can ask questions and, and voice concerns and talk things through. Um, so she's really, really doing a great job at building community and touching so many more women's lives who have this question in their mind about hunting and, wildlife conservation and she's really active in wildlife conservation projects. She even drives out to Texas to help out with Texas Bighorn Society on their stuff. So um, that's a little example of some of the stuff Bee's doing. And I think it's like super fascinating that I, you know, whenever I touch in with her to get an update on what she's talking about, I'm always, I always hear something new from her about some life she's touched and somebody that she's bringing along and And even just to hear her own journey and as she started to hunt because she was an actual brand new hunter last year had never hunted before so she's gone on multiple hunts since and had some success and she has learned that even with some of her challenges with food allergies that sometimes the wild game meat can give her a reaction so she's learning she's taking the the um initiative to learn more about the habitat the animal she's hunting is living in and what they might be eating and would there be an impact to her health by eating that animal so it's really a fascinating conversation with her um we um uh, we have another woman out of Nevada. Her name is April Mendelbulls and she's a formal educator. She's a school teacher. And uh, a couple of years ago, she started using Dr. Ryan Brock's uh, STEM curriculum, um, the uh, the youth education program in a box, I think is how it's kind of colloquially referred to, and she started teaching those concepts about wild sheep and conservation and the importance of natural places to her classroom two years ago. And then d- had because she had a little bit of a touch in with WSF that way, she learned about the, the opportunity with the course applied and was selected. And so now she's also with her classroom incorporating those concepts about, you know, her decision to learn to hunt, why um, her experiences with the new hunter course and her experiences since. And she's also um, uh, taking that STEM curriculum that Dr. Brock developed, and she's also incorporating those concepts that we taught her at the course around the North American model of wildlife conservation and helping her students to learn the role that um, hunting plays in that. So, you know, she is really touching well, a large number of lives, but young lives. So, you know, the youth, our youth audience, which, you know, is really, I, I think we'd all agree, is so important to the future. And, um, and she's also a person who's active in conservation project work in the state of Nevada. Um, and then, yeah, we, I know we briefly touched already about uh, Rebecca a couple of times, but Rebecca is a great example, too, of somebody who's really making great impacts uh, back home in her province of BC. And, you know, she had a vision and she has for a while about creating a group to attract more women who are interested in wildlife conservation, the outdoors and hunting. And, you know, what she shared with me is that she really wants to work to heighten awareness in BC's lower mainland of of wild sheep conservation challenges and opportunities, um, increasing the understanding of the role hunting plays in wildlife conservation and the North American model. And as you guys are well aware, um, you know, she started the Women Shaping Conservation Group and kicking off with this great event on June 17th. And um, she is, as you know, as well, uh, such an active volunteer with WSSBC as well as the women had program. So, uh, you know, these are like three examples of like some of the exceptional work that these women are doing. And I just love the fact that, you know, we have a course that yeah, we've chosen 12 women to attend, and we'll, t- we'll choose 12 more again this year. And, um, but what's really um, uh, remarkable to me is, is just the, that it's not just impacting 12 lives, it is impacting right now in real time and uh infinitesimally more lies than that and and not just women although largely women these these ladies are touching children's lives their spouses their friends their families so the the reach of this course is really proving to be um exceptional
1: yeah well said i know rebecca is so motivated you know i've had the opportunity to work with her through her her work and, and, you know, this experience of going to Texas and being part of uh, the Women Hunt Initiative literally has changed her life. And uh, so it's it's been a cool evolution to sort of being watching it from the side and, and being a little bit involved. Um, of course, I talk to you a lot about what you're doing, Renee, but to see the product that's been created through Rebecca and her enthusiasm for conservation and and hunting and, and trying to get others involved too. So it's really inspiring and it's been a lot of fun. So uh, I have to say, I have to commend you on the work you've done because it's really, really, uh, Uh, certainly impacted rebecca and hence you know people around her that are involved with conservation as well so
2: yeah i really appreciate that you know and it's it's just a ton of fun like we our committee has a lot of fun doing this work and but it is really rewarding to see um how how positively it's changed these women's lives and uh and it's you know some something that we are particularly proud of And we're so grateful to organizations like WSSBC and others that are 100% behind it and are so supportive of it.
1: Excellent. So, okay, so somebody that hasn't been part of Women Hunt before, um, you know, we're, of course, going to share your, um, you know, the foundation and Women Hunt's uh, information around the application process. Um, We will get this out before the end of May um, and make sure that we use this as sort of a promotional tool as well. But what for somebody that doesn't know anything about women hunt can you give me your two-minute elevator speech on how they apply what they need to do what what they're gonna get if they're successful what does it look like
2: right so the new hunter course is uh, essentially designed to take a person who has never even touched a firearm and uh, take you through uh, world-class shooting and hunting instructions so basically you're taught safe handling of firearms precision shooting. You have an opportunity to hunt a white-tailed doe. You learn game identification, shot placement, hunting techniques, field trailing. We have field to fork instruction. So you're taught how to field dress the animal, care and butcher uh, your own game and prepare it under the expert instruction of a master chef. And then finally, we place considerable emphasis during the course on um, hunting ethics, etiquette, and a comprehensive um, introduction and discussion of the North American model of wildlife conservation. So this opportunity is for anybody who is thinking about learning to hunt, who has perhaps tried hunting a couple of times, or maybe gone out on a hunt as an observer um, and is ready to take the step to. To either be learn how to hunt, improve uh, their previous experience, or take their game from observe, observation to active hunter.
1: Fantastic, and uh, I can I can vouch from the feedback I've I've received. Uh, I've talked to a number of the new hunter women hunters that went through the the program. There was two or three I met down at Sheep Show. And, uh, yeah, it's just an opportunity of a lifetime. I think people uh, I've used, I've heard that word used over and over and over and over. And I think it's just been so impactful. So, uh, congratulations to you and the foundation of women hunt for such a successful program, Renee.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Um, so is this, is this, do you have new plans for this? Like, is this an ongoing new hunter course or is it going to evolve, um, you know, you, you talked about this first year. You're doing it again, so clearly you've seen the success in year one. What is what is the future holder, or is that uh, – do we wait to hear from you on that?
2: <laughs> no, I'm happy to share some plans with you all. Um, so, you know, the Women Hunt Program um, uh, is has a larger overarching – objective of um, helping women on their journeys into the fields and the mountains so um, you know that can be many different things and in, it take place in many different ways and the new hunter course is just one aspect of the women hunt program so some of the other things that the committee is working on and um, and I'm happy to share that we had a, a meeting recently where we made the decision to grow the committee by two members so I'm going to be in, um, vetting a couple of, uh, of people for For these new uh, positions, because we've got a lot of other exciting work coming up in the next year and beyond, that uh, we need a a few more hands on deck to handle. So, um, some of the things we we've talked about um, that I'm happy to share is while you know. We do have an allocated budget from the Wild Sheep Foundation under mission programs. We are intent on being self-funded. So we have a couple of committee members that are really skilled fundraisers with a lot of experience behind them, and they're going to kick up our fundraising game to uh, self-fund the Women Hunt program. Um, you know, that's that's just you know a little bit of, of information about how, how we make things work. But um, we have another working group that's going to be talking about program development because you know, we are, um, we strive to develop programs that are relevant to the women hunt program, but are also complementary to the Wild Sheep Foundation's mission of putting and keeping sheep on the mountains. So in addition to doing programming or opportunities or courses or resources for women, we also want to start looking at providing opportunities for younger women. That is from some feedback we've received from our membership and, and others. We have been approached by Wooded Warriors Outdoors about uh, partnering with them to do a specific event for females female veterans or female wounded veterans. Uh, We're really excited about exploring that. Um, And of course, conservation activities. So the program development working group is really gonna get things going after we finish the assessment for this year's new hunter course on on getting some other, other things going within the program. And then, you know, we're going to work really hard to start uh, developing our content on our social channels, including our YouTube channel, which we already have some great videos on, but we really want to start to expand and grow our YouTube content and our other social content. we are going to do uh, actively this year. Get get down and and develop our website to deliver what our members told us they wanted at the 2020 town hall that we hosted, which is a comprehensive kind of one stop place where it's sort of a hub and spoke that points them to all the great resources that are out there in people's backyards to help them get on their journey. So website development, and um, and then beyond that, you know, we. Um, we um, we we're concentrating right now on the new hunter course for 2022, and then uh, and then everything that comes along with that. So that's what we've got on the on the on the burner right now.
1: So just a tiny little bit, eh? That's just, just a just, tiny bit. <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> um, and and of course you're getting paid big dollars to do this. Oh right? yeah, <laughs> loads. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what if you? Know and that's you? the. I think, well, that's you know, the
1: phenomenal thing, right? Yeah, you
2: know, yeah. I get paid in and uh, feeling really good about about impacting lives. I it's really rewarding.
1: Well, and talk about mentorship, right? Like you know what you know. We when we think of mentorship, we think, oh, you know, take a new hunter and get them out in the field and get them. You're, you're mentoring hundreds of people. Um, it's phenomenal, Renee. And uh, and again, just to be clear with our listeners that Renee is a volunteer. There's there's no this this is a, this is not a day job it is a day job but it's that the recompense in terms of uh, monetary is not very good so uh, you know it's phenomenal the amount of work that's gone into this and by you and your team and I, and I know it's not just you and I know you're always the first to recognize your supporters and volunteers and committee members that are they're all there giving day in and day out so you phenomenal
2: bet. yeah awesome. awesome Thank you Kyle okay
1: so now, I'm a new female hunter. I want to. I want to learn um, what's involved. How do I get involved? Where do I go? Um, and what are my increased chances of success if I if I want to have a successful application? Let's give give their, these uh, these lady hunters some or perspective lady hunters some tips and techniques that they can increase their chances of being successful. Sure.
2: Um great question. So uh the application as I mentioned is web based and it is available on the Wild Sheep Foundation's website, WildsheepFoundation.org backslash women hunt or you can just go to the Wild Sheep Foundation's homepage and uh head to um Uh, programs and find women hunt and get in that way and either way when you get there there's a description of the women hunt programs mission and then uh, some information about the new hunter course with a very clear apply now button that a a prospective applicant would click and then it would take them to the online application and you know your question about how how could somebody be more successful is a really interesting one Um, you know I as a as someone who assessed the applications last year, um, I, I have a, a point of view. But um, one thing that the committee did following the course is uh, this early this year, we approached the twelve women that were selected at last year and we asked them to help us by giving us some feedback on the application process and. Um, The majority of them uh, gave us feedback, which we really appreciated. It allowed us to tighten up the application somewhat, uh, improve wording, um, that kind of thing. But one of the things that I kept hearing from them is um, that they just answered the questions by speaking from the heart. And that was a universal thing that I've heard from these 12 women who were successful is they just, read the questions, reflected, considered. Some of them talked about really like looking inside deeply into uh, their motivations for wanting to do it as it related to the questions. But almost all of them said that they spoke from the heart and that the questions were easy for them in their minds, easy for them to answer because they just spoke truthfully about what, what they were feeling and thinking. So I guess from the applicant perspective, that might be a tip. Um, you know, and uh, certainly from the committee's perspective, we just want to see applicants, um, and, and we we did last year in spades, and it was tough to get to 12. I mean, it there were many, many good applications. And, uh, but you know, we, we were so thrilled last year, and I don't think it will be any different this year um, to just uh, read such tremendous uh, applications and contributions, women are really, thoughtful can be very very thoughtful in how they they answer something and um, um, I don't know I guess my best advice is take the time to read the questions thoughtfully be 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 present when you're reading that question and really think it through.
1: That's excellent, Renee. So uh, we'll definitely include the link in the show notes so that um, the any interested applicants can get there easily. So fantastic for sharing that. So let's talk a little bit about timelines. So we applications close in just over two and a half weeks, and then what what. Timelines for knowing when do they go to Texas? What does it look like?
2: You bet. So applications close 11.59 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time on May 30th. And then the committee will have the month of June to assess the applications. We are anticipating to have quite an onslaught of applications this year. We had a great number last year, 49, um, but uh, we've had a lot of exposure through our social and the films and all the rest of it. So we think we're gonna get exponentially more applications. So we need a little bit more time this year. So we're taking the month of June to do that. And we're gonna announce the selected participants on June 30th. Um, and then the course this year is mid-October. So uh, applicants, or sorry, the selected participants would be expected to arrive in San Antonio, Texas on October 13th, that's a Thursday, um, in time to attend a group dinner that night. And then uh, everybody gets on to the bus on Friday morning, October 14th, and we head out to the ranch, which is about three hours away. The course starts that afternoon. It runs for four and a half days and concludes with graduation night on Tuesday, October 18th. And then Wednesday morning, the 19th, we all get back on the bus and head back to the airport for everybody to head home.
1: Right on. That's very exciting. And then, of course, the mentorship piece continues. So there's the local mentorship from their local organization plus their mentor or mentee and then um, or mentor. And uh, and then afterwards, I think a number of the ladies came and volunteered at Sheep Week this past year as well. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, this week we uh, or this past year, the 2022 Sheep Week, uh, uh, Gray Thornton, the CEO of Wild Sheep Foundation, had invited any of them who were available to uh, come volunteer to come out, and they eight of them were able to come, and uh, those women took time off their jobs time away from their families and just gave back, which was tremendous. And they they were forewarned and they sure experienced in real time that volunteers at Sheep Week get worked hard and they worked their tails off. And uh, they participated in a seminar we had on the last day of the show on the Saturday. Um, they had a chance to have a little bit of fun in there. They were able to go to the ladies' lunch and the less than one club reception, even though at the less than one club and the ladies' lunch Many of them were still voluntary to work selling raffle tickets and other things like that. So, um, but yeah, it was great. So, you're right. There's there. there, I don't know exactly, Kyle, what we might have in store for the 2023 show as far as uh, volunteer requirements or women hunt related activities that we'll be doing at the show. That's something we'll work on a little later this year. But um, I have no doubt that we're going to have a presence there again um in perpetuity probably and so uh we'll need some volunteers
1: fantastic well just some feedback from my end of things uh so with the base camp studios at sheep week um you you did that women hunt presentation and uh, my wife melanie who is not a hunter uh she obviously is passionate about conservation but no like no not doesn't hunt and and doesn't really aspire to either just not particularly interested in it but understands it supports it and she went to that and she said that was phenomenal like she you know before she thought women hunt was probably a good program but kind of ambivalent not being particularly interested in it after that you converted her for life she's like that program is amazing and anytime we talk about you or women hunt she just goes off and raves about it she said the people in that room were so phenomenal uh your leadership what you guys are doing and just she she absolutely loves women hunt so Um, You know, if if you want any feedback from the Stelter household, make sure you do something like that again in the future. And and it speaks to the non-hunter too, right? That's the cool thing is that's what I loved about it. Of course, somebody interested, that's a woman that wants to hunt. Uh, Yeah, that's makes sense but for somebody that doesn't even hunt and to be so supportive it really changed Melanie's perspective on things very cool
2: that is awesome I'm really happy to hear that and uh I'm I'm particularly thrilled to hear that it uh there was such a positive impact for for Melanie as a non-hunter I mean that's that's great because um you know we we all know that it transcends what some people think hunting is right and so um I'm really thrilled to hear that that's uh great feedback thank you
1: Awesome. Okay. So let's segue off a little bit. You know, we could talk for days about women hunt, but let's segue a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your journey. So Renee, and it kind of relates to women hunt. Let's talk Renee and hunting. And, you know, you've had this experience, you've talked about mentorship. Uh, You've talked about how, how, and anyone that's interested can listen to, I guess the first podcast is the best one to sort of get your perspective on why women hunt came about some of the challenges you faced. Um, but let's talk about your journey now. You know, you started out as this, you know, eager adult onset hunter that wants to get involved and had all these barriers and challenges and you overcame them. But now here we are years down the road and you're mentoring all these individuals. Let's talk a little bit about your journey and where you're at now and your perspective and and how you've, you know, what this means to you.
2: Okay. Yeah. And yeah, thanks, Kyle. That, that uh, first, pod- first podcast we did back in July last year was, you're right, would be if anybody was that interested in hearing the nitty gritty, a good place to start. But, you know, my journey has been extraordinary. And um, and I just love how much I learn every single day. Uh, and although I am now six years into my journey, um, I I'm still such a newbie i think you know and um and and what i've been learning is just so you know it just ranges uh, from everything to you know what my original concepts and ideas around hunting were and my motivations and and uh even in that first year that i think was probably my, my largest learning curve makes sense but uh, just kind of getting past some of my own preconceived notions, even though I wanted to learn how to hunt and I understood its function, I still had built in kind of barriers or prejudices or misunderstandings about that. And it's just been such a journey for me to learn so much about the North American model and concepts about wildlife management what are wildlife uh, biologists and professionals do to help inform um, uh, the appropriate use of hunting and in conservation um, etc you know we I, I could just go on forever but my journey has been incredible and I love the fact that I mean I'm still newer so I still love getting out there and hunting I love the journey of researching the hunt I'm going to go on the behavior of the animal I'm going to pursue the um, habitat the terrain that I'll be hunting in how i need to prepare i adore that entire aspect of hunting um, and then of course being out in the field is so exhilarating and, and also very calming which i know can seem like a contradiction to some people but being in nature being outdoors uh, you know it's calming for me um, you know to uh to you know transcending beyond that to um moving i think fairly rapidly to, uh, you know, wanting to help others and give back and I just thrive on that too. So I really like the blend of what's going on in my life, and the opportunities that brings me and like I said, though, I learn something new every day, whether I'm listening to a podcast where somebody talks about something I haven't considered before, or I pick up an old book from 50 years ago, and just hear uh, a voice from the past articulate uh, something that I'm battling with today that's still relevant. I love it.
1: Let's talk about you and your, and your hunting journey a little bit more specifically about that. So, uh, first of all, what, what are you doing for a hunt this year? What did you do? what did you do this? Well, I want to hear, think I know, I
0: want to hear about last year's hunt that she talked about on the podcast.
2: I couldn't go on last year's hunt, Steve. What? <laughs> I couldn't, I broke my ankle in October, right oh, before no. hunting season. Yeah. So my 2021 hunting Season went down the uh, down the drain, so <laughs> I'm going to catch up this year. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, I am still recovering, unfortunately. Um, this injury was uh, pretty extensive, so I have to limit my hunting, uh, sh- how strenuous I hunt this fall a little bit. So I'm going to concentrate this year on um, elk. Uh, antelope, mule deer, and uh, in the winter, when I should be a little further along than where I am now, I'm going to go for a cougar hunt, which I'm really excited oh. about. Yeah.
1: That'd be fun. Where, where are you doing, where is your hunts at? Like, can, so can you now, like, I know you're living down there. Can you, do you have a Montana hunting license or how does that work with you with your <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I sure do. Yeah, I'm a Montana resident now, uh, uh, formally, I'm a permanent resident of the US and a Montana resident. So uh, I I can I can I get resident hunting privileges here. Uh, So uh, the plan as far as I know, this year is all my hunts will take place in Montana. And um, I'm not exactly sure all the areas yet. I'm working on that right now with my research. But um, uh, and uh, um, I'm, I'm really I'm just excited to get back out. It was just a bummer last year to lose the season
1: yeah for sure so how does it work with the cat hunt do you is it with dogs or is it guided what does that look like yeah
2: so uh we have a really good friend he's not a guide he's not an outfitter he's just a private citizen but he has his own hounds he's a really passionate hound hunter and um and so um he's gonna he's gonna take me out on my cat hunt so we'll be hunting with uh with hounds and um i think the best time of year he mentioned to go would be january Uh, so we're planning for that
1: That's awesome. So do you have any expectations? Uh, You know, some people like, oh, no, I'm only going to kill a big tom or somebody just wants to treat them. Do you have anything, any expectations whatsoever on this hunt or what does that look like for you?
2: Well, expectation number one is just like going to be the thrill of this experience. Having it being brand new, um, I don't really even know how, what to expect. I've never hunted with hounds before. So I'm doing some research there, watching some videos just so I'm not like totally overwhelmed by it. But uh, no, as far as um, as far as results are concerned, um I, I definitely have an interest in going for an, a nice, uh, mature aged uh, Tom, but I'm not uh, adverse to, um, to, depending on where we go, you know, if we're in sheep range, we're, or, well, we're not going to be in high sheep range with my ankle, but if we're anywhere near where they might be predating on sheep, I might consider taking uh, female because of the impact they have on sheep predation, for example. So I'm, I'm pretty open. I'm really actually quite open.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you see, you describe yourself as somewhat of a new hunter still learning. And um, although I consider you fairly experienced, uh, in my opinion, from what I'm seeing, but um, a lot of people sort of, you know, predator hunting becomes an evolution, right? It's, you know, most people don't get into hunting because they want to go and kill a predator necessarily. Lots of time it's about... You know, the experience, it's about the food. Um, You know, of course, predators aren't necessarily known for a food source, although we know that argument too, which I'm sure we'll jump into. But so you're talking about cat hunting. So, and I know on the last podcast we did, maybe two ago, the first one, you talked about, um, you know, you enjoy predator hunting and and you, uh, you know, it's something that you you like to be involved in and stuff. So, uh, you know, where does that come from? Was this an educational thing or is it something you've always like, oh, I want to get into hunting so I can go and, you know, remove wolves from the ecosystem. What does that look like for you? What's your evolution around predator hunting?
2: Yeah. So, no, I never, when I started my hunting journey, my primary motivator was sourcing my own protein. And I did not have predators in mind at all when I started hunting. And I didn't have really strong feelings about predator hunting but it just wasn't an interest and um but what what ended up happening is that my first hunting mentor uh, um uh, in alberta guy i grew up with in my hometown um he um he uh called me up and in 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 that spring of 20 uh, uh i'm trying to remember now was that 2017 or 2018 can't even remember, (laughs) 2017, 2017. And uh, he said, are you ready to go hunting? And I said, yeah, are we planning for, you know, whitetail this fall? And he said, no, I have a spring bear camp in Northern Alberta. I've been hunting out of for 20 years. and I'm going to take you bear hunting. And I mean, that was not expected. I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what that meant. I was freaked out about hunting um, a species that I had been taught to to be very respectful of my entire life and keep my distance from. I didn't really understand about eating the meat on a bear. I didn't know what that would be like and what it would taste like. And But, you know, I talked to him about it and um, you know, he told me bear meat is delicious. And by the way, I agree with him. My spring bear um, meat was really good. But anyway, so... Uh, you know that was not what I was expecting that's not why I got into hunting but it was my first hunt and it was extraordinary and it was uh life-changing and it was uh, a whole series of emotions like uh terrifying and um uh absolutely exhilarating and it moved me to tears you know i mean i i, I had a whole range of emotions and i i don't know if it's because bear a bear hunt was my first hunt but i love predator hunting i mean i love hunting ungulates as well i love hunting other species but there's something about a predator hunt um that uh, really really appeals to me and and it you know um one of the things when I talked earlier about how I had these preconceived ideas, notions, sometimes prejudices that I overcame particularly in that fat first year. One of them was understanding the role of predator management and um, that visceral reaction people can have when you talk about uh, bears, wolves, mountain lions or cougars, or lions in Africa, or you know, name your predator. And, you know, so that's something that was really key for me was asking questions, trying to keep an open mind. I kept an open mind um, to learn about the importance of predator management, too.
0: Yeah, for for me, I'm the same way. Predator hunting is one of my favorites. I look forward to spring bear every year. I look forward to winter with lynx and uh, the dogs. And it's it's that perceived edibility that people seem to balance a hunt on and that's not the way to manage right we need to to manage across all species right and if, if we hunted nothing but ungulates we'd see a, a huge drop there and a spike right you, you can't manage you, you basically you can't manage on things uh, based on what you can eat so it's we need to do our part
1: so renee you talk about how you're so passionate about it and i get that it was your first hunt but you know what is it for you is it is it the thrill of hunting a predator, something that can eat you back? Or is it, uh, is it the part you're doing for conservation? And and I know I'm not naive enough to know that these things aren't multifaceted. That's not just one thing. But for you, when you talk about that passion and that desire for for going out and harvesting a predator, what what is it? What is it? What's that drive? What's that biggest motivator that really makes you want to get out there and do
2: that? Yeah. Well, you know, I I know we, we touched on it briefly back in July, but you know, that, that term experiential, right. I think that predator hunting for me touches on that because uh, you're right. There's a cross section of things here, but, and, and, and Steve, you made an excellent point too, that uh, it's not always about um, what's edible. And, and I think those things blend together here because um, for me, the, I think part of the reason why I love predator hunting so much is because in the mix of all the reasons why there's value in hunting predators, like real, I mean, I'm talking about tangible value from a conservation uh, perspective. Um, for me as a hunter, it is the willing to be pursuing uh, a prey that I, uh, also considers me prey. And um, there it, it changes the game for me mentally. And um, I am super, super focused on a predator hunt, which isn't to say that I'm not paying attention on an ungulate hunt, but I am hyper vigilant on a predator hunt. And um, I guess I thrive on that. And that's where the more experiential part of hunting for me comes in. I really get get it through predator hunting. I mean, I, I get it on all of it, but um, I really get it in predator hunting. So I think that's probably key for me, Kyle, is that thrill
1: the, the yeah that I'll makes just sense. be okay, honest so,
2: yeah <laughs> yeah no and
1: that that's that's fantastic and, and actually I can relate to that too I, I'm with you there for sure uh, so is there any particular predator that you love like obviously this cat hunt is super cool this winter um, is there something that stands out bear was your first uh, have you been on a wolf hunt and uh, what do you aspire to hunt
2: yeah I have not been on a wolf hunt and that is definitely top of predator list for me I understand that it is incredibly difficult. Uh, Success rates are extremely low. They are wily, they learn, they are intelligent, you know, as far as being able to survive. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, I, I, it sounds like an incredible challenge and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm really, that's, I mean, I obviously cat is my next one, but, um, when I think about, uh, North America, I think about wolves.
0: Oh yeah. You, you know that they're all of the above. And one of the most frustrating things about them is they work on roughly a two week cycle. So you'll think they're there one day, and you'll sit in that blind, and then they they don't come around for 10, 12, 14 days. So no kidding. And when they do, they kind of poke out of the bush, and you, you need to bait them, and you need you need to wait and and be good at calling and just be bloody lucky. So they're they're tough, but worth it.
2: Wow! So calling in wolves that must be thrilling, Steve.
0: It oh, can smokes. be. It can be when when you howl, you get, and they howl back. It kind of sends a a shiver up your spine. You're like, okay. And then they like to be in a pack animal. They kind of will circle you. So what you think is a howl in front of you, 10 minutes later, you'll hear behind you and then it'll be off to your left. And it just, I'm getting shivers just thinking about it right now. It's, it's, they're, (laughs) they're very, very cagey, but, uh, well, well worth the effort when you, you finally get lucky to do your
1: part.
2: Awesome.
1: So, you know, it's interesting. I'd love to dive into, Predator hunting and and um, and wolf management and all these things, um, and and I'm thinking, Steve, I think we need to do a, a big roundtable on this discussion one day, and love to have you join us on the this, um, you know, get get a big group of people together and talk about predator management because you know you know we talk about one campfire, right? Obviously, there's the one campfire movement, um, and you know, whenever it comes to killing predators, it's just it's such a hard argument. But we know from a management perspective based on science that there's no better thing for managing uh, ungulates um and trying to bring populations back well with the exception of good habitat which we know is a hundred year plan that's right a, a one year plan
0: that's right you but, can you can manage predators in minutes right takes 80 to 100 years to grow proper habitat and until we get that balance right we we got to do our part right no no hunter wants to see extinction not Right. It's we, we want that balance and we, we need to be part of it to, to help bring it back. So I agree. that would be a, a fun conversation.
2: It'd be great to so, have. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say it'd be great to have, you know, some wildlife biologists or, or management folks at the table during that conversation. You know, they they're the pros.
1: yeah. It, absolutely, for sure, it would be, and and um, you know, like so that's interesting, Renee. I was just thinking with your women hunt program and the new hunter course that you offer down in Texas. Is there any talk about? I know you guys talk about the North American wildlife model, and you do a great job of of sort of uh, you know presenting the hunter perspective. And I also know that you know uh, under the tenets of the wildlife management model for North America, that you know it is based on silent space wildlife, so it's ingrained in that model. But it's such a hard topic. You know, you, you know. If you said, "Give me your," a buddy of mine told me this once. He goes, uh, "Give me your one minute speech that you would tell, sort of, a soccer mom that's sitting at home and asks you why you hunt grizzly bears." And I'm like, uh, "Yeah." I just I mean, was like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that, that is not a one minute conversation. I could give you a hundred reasons, but to give you that elevator speech on predator hunting, oh, good luck tough. Or, or grizzly bears.
2: Tough. Hey. Maybe that's something that a few of us can put our heads together on and develop.
0: <laughs> Kyle, yesterday, was it two days ago, I, you and I recorded a podcast and then I had to get off it and I sent you a picture. I, I do verifications for cattlemen here and a rancher three minutes south of town lost a calf. A couple cu- of couple months old, so about 80 pounds, 90 pounds. And they, they said they're not sure what did it. I took one look and it was a grizzly bear. You just tell the, the the mechanics of injury. I'll, I'll show you pictures after we're off the air, but yeah, it's it, it's something that's uh, a tough conversation to have, right? Uh, in, in order to for us to live, things have to die, right? It's it,
2: and, it's tough. It is, and you know, part of the issue I think in trying to uh, synthesize it into an elevator speech is that. First, you need to try to get across that concept of the behavior of a predator and it's not the way people always think, right? It there you know, unfortunately many people look at a wolf and think about their domesticated dog, right? And so they don't even understand wolf behavior. I mean, I have seen um, some trail cam video from uh, the province of Alberta from fish and wildlife there of a pack of wolves Uh, coming in on a herd of elk at high altitude in Kananaskis country and it's devastating and we know what wolves can do and we know that they don't predate to eat always you know and so how do you how do you get that across quickly to uh, to somebody who is really struggling with the concept and doesn't want to think about the graphic nature of nature right it's tough
1: yeah it is definitely Definitely a tough sell. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's never easy. So do you guys have any aspect of that with your new hunter course? Is there any dialogue around that stuff on, on, you know, your perception of the non-hunting public and, and articulating that stuff for not, not necessarily.
2: I mean, there is, uh, you know, so what we, what we found out last year is we had put aside an hour to introduce the model and have a discussion on it. We played a video that we had Becky Humphreys from the National Wild Turkey Federation record on her delivery of the model and her uh, opinions or uh, perspectives rather on uh, women of the era who also played a role alongside uh, greats like uh, Teddy Roosevelt and others. And um, and then uh, Gray Thornton, the CEO of Wild Sheep Foundation led a conversation on the model. That was an hour and we went well over two we, went, we pushed three hours and these they were really thirsty to learn. And so part of the conversation was around uh, just that uh, the non-hunting audience and their what what some of their uh, perspectives are and um, our role in helping them to understand where we can. Um, the role that hunting plays in wildlife management. And so yes, naturally predation came into the conversation, but not, it wasn't like a, 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 you know, really deep conversation about it. It was just a part of it. And also at the ranch, you know, like many, many parts of the world, it's even coming into Canada, I understand is um, wild hogs are a real problem, right? I mean, they're highly, highly, highly destructive to habitat, Um, they, they propagate like crazy and they're extremely difficult to control. So, uh, at the ranch, anybody can kill a wild hog on site, um, because they are a problem that needs to be controlled. So they had a natural opportunity to hunt wild hog there. Um, if they ever came across one. So yeah, it came up.
0: That's an important conversation to have, especially for, for somebody who's trying to, I don't know, mentor, shape of mind type thing that, uh, yeah, that's it's a tough one. But yeah, we have the same problem with hogs. Well, we don't have a problem with hogs here in BC, but they are now uh, what they call Schedule C open season. Anytime, any place, uh, you're, you're supposed to take them out. But there's there's reports, but nothing verified. And we want to keep it that way because, well, we see what they do. In in Texas and uh, in Alberta and Saskatchewan, they're starting to wreak havoc, right? Again, yeah. comes back to that natural balance.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a whole new podcast, which uh, <laughs> which we uh, and I would love to jump. In. I love talking about predator management and and the arguments for the arguments against, and um, but it is such an emotive issue and and one that we've always struggled to tell that story, right? There's but the cool thing is in BC here, you know. They're managing wolves and, and um, we've got a very sort of left leaning government and they've stuck their course to wildlife yeah. management and and continuing to. So, you know, I have to commend the mm-hmm. BC government for doing their part, uh, which is, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily thought that under an NDP government, they'd necessarily be doing that. So it's it's encouraging to see that, you know, science based wildlife management is still a thing. In BC, in some capacity. Okay, so. okay right. thanks for the clarification there. In some capacity. <laughs>
2: I was going to say <laughs> what now?
1: <laughs> anyway, I, I i didn't want to dive down the rabbit hole of politics. No, there's, but, there's another uh,
0: podcast there on top of the predator management one. So,
1: yeah. Well, Renee, I know we've taken a, a, a lot of your time today, and i have just. I just want to commend you and your team and the Wild Sheep Foundation and Women Hunt for what you guys do. Um, this is something that, you know, is really important in our space. And, and just, you know, thank you for your leadership, dedication, and the time that you put into this. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me on again. I love I love talking to you guys. So thank you.
1: You're the most, uh, uh, I guess, the, the, the busiest person on Talk to Sheep, so uh, the busiest guest. So thank you for, for doing that. And, and there's always something new. You know, we're never covering the same stuff. And, you know, this is an evolving program. And we'll have you back on again because there's lots more to talk about. So thank you, Renee. And uh, we can't wait to hear what comes out of Texas this year. And uh, congratulations on a great program.
2: Thanks so much.